Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tonight, some of the most ridiculous headlines of the year, awful predictions of what 2022 would be, and then what actually happened. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovec. This is like early Christmas for me. It's like my favorite time of the year, whether it's before Christmas or after Christmas, because I love making fun of the headlines. Yeah. Because they're just They're always wrong. So it's ridiculous. incredible. These people come out with these brave predictions about what's going to happen, and, and nobody ever fact checks them. And, no. and And all you have to do is take a look at, uh, he said what, and when was that, and what actually happened? And it's like 99, it's it's like ivory soap wrong, 99.99% wrong. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Someone said to me recently, well, like, does anyone ever go back to these people who write these things and say that you were wrong? No. That's what happens. And I've been telling you for years, I've been doing the show and, you know, it starts It's throughout the year. People make these huge prognostications. But for whatever reason, this year, I think, has been even worse. Right. Markets are all over the place. The economy's crazy. We've got 40 plus uh, year high of inflation, all of those things together. And people just love to scare the crap out of people. Right. And so these these headlines come up and they're absolute clickbait. And then no one ever goes back and holds them accountable and says, Hey, Steve Sprovac, that thing that you said <laughs> it was, was absolutely yeah, no wrong, kidding. right? Ask my wife. Well, She'll you're say, always no, right. Probably you're wrong. always right. So no one actually has to say that to you. I, my son, he's an engineer. He's got the best T-shirt for engineers. And it's, it just says, I'm an engineer. Let's just assume I'm correct and move on. <laughs> I need that. Only maybe investment advisor instead of engineer. We'll get that for you. Yeah. And okay. you are. You're always right. But I'm telling you, <laughs> these people are often wrong Yet the problem for me is if you were an investor, you know, you've got your 401k is already down. You're feeling a little experts are gonna shaky listen to about them. things. You go to a, a market watch, a Bloomberg, a yeah. CNBC, you, you name your place and you see these headlines and you think this has to be legitimate. Let's go to one of them. I believe the economy is the biggest bubble in not history, in world <laughs> history here. And then this is followed by. God have mercy on us all. This is from Robert Kiyosaki, who's the best-selling author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. One of my kids is actually studying this book in high school. Yes, I mean, this is a a well-known, well-read author. And he's saying, God bless us all because the the end of time is coming. Yeah. And, and, you know, the the guy is good. I've read the book, and it's he's a real estate investor, which— you can make money in real estate. You can lose money in real estate. Doesn't it's, really believe in stocks. No, doesn't right? believe in stocks. And, and you know, his book is interesting. If you're trying to build up a portfolio of real estate holdings, it's it's a good read. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, when, when I, I read that quote from him, it's like, okay, if your world is real estate, 
you're not having fun right now because yeah. when the Federal Reserve raised interest rates, mortgage rates, which all real estate investors need to be aware of, mortgage rates on 30-year mortgages went from 2.6% to the mid-7% range, and that market just it, it stopped. It stopped on a dime. So his worldview on real estate, which he expands into everything apparently, is, oh, no, this is horrible. This is horrible. And, and I can kind of equate it to a, a big um, machine tool company that we've had a lot of dealings mm-hmm. with over the years, where if you're building these 2 and $3 million machine tools, guess what? When the economy slows down, you're the first to know it. And when the economy picks up, you're the last to feel it. Yeah, you know, your your view is different than basically everybody else's. So, all right, I get where he's coming from, but I'm uh, sorry, wrong. One of my favorite things that you've ever said on the show, and you've said lots of amazing things, but this was like <laughs> one of those, you know, like someone says something Please and it's go like, on. Seriously, it's like, go on. <laughs> oh, like that makes so much sense. Yeah. You said the four most dangerous words that someone can think when it comes to investments is this time is different. Yeah. And I think the problem with a lot of these headlines is we look at history, right? We put everything in historical context of what the markets have done time and time again. But when you read these headlines, they almost come out and say, but this time is different and I know why. And, and they lay out this reasoning and most of the time it's crazy and convoluted, although maybe they really believe it. Um, but it, it can trick you into thinking they're right. This yeah. time is different and this, for whatever reason, is a different set of circumstances. We've never seen this before. Here's another one. Hedge fund giant Elliott uh, warns looming hyperinflation could lead to, get this, global <laughs> societal collapse. We're not just talking about the economy Yeah, not just Milford or... The or, entire... Yeah, exactly. The entire this is societal the whole globe. collapse. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, you know, one of the things I, I learned years ago, Amy, is figure out what these guys are trying to sell before you listen. To, and <laughs> yeah. What's this, your angle? Yeah, and, and first of all, this headline could have been 2008, because in 2008... You know, that was the big concern was, wait a second, they're using all of these dollars that we don't have to prop up the economy and to get things moving again. We're going to have hyperinflation like Germany in in the the 20s. And it didn't pass. It it didn't happen back then. So, you know, here's a hedge fund giant. Well, what's a hedge fund? Well, it's basically a group of investors and, and money managers trying to make rich people richer by using strategies that aren't used for you or me. Yeah. You know, unless you're one of those rich people yeah, like I, no. I read about. But but no. Very and, close, but and, not and, quite. And so they might use strategies like we're going to bet the ranch. We're going to take every dime in this portfolio and bet that the market goes down today. OK, they can do that. I'm not going to as a fiduciary, but they can do that at hedge funds because they're dealing with what we call accredited investors, which are very, very, very wealthy people that can afford to lose some money once in a while, as long as, you know, they make some money. Well, once and in they a while. can afford to also take on more risk. Right. And, yeah. and that's part of it. But but the, 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 the executives at this firm, Elliott Management Corporation, go on to say, uh, hey, investors, don't assume that you've seen everything right. You've made it through the dot com. You've made it through the 2008 global financial crisis, previous bear and bull markets were telling you, again, this time is different. And right. I mean, it just it, it it's scary to read and it never. Comes and that's true. the whole point. They want to drive people to their door. You're listening to Simply Money on 55 KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Amy Wagner. And we're talking about predictions for 2022 that may not have actually have worked out. Here's one for you, Amy. Uh, the stock market's going to collapse before June of 22. Obviously, <laughs> that was made in the first half of this year. Yeah. I, I, I guess I wasn't aware that the stock market collapsed in, in June and wondering what we're going to do now. Yeah. 
He wrote that the stock market will collapse before June of 2022 as more people realize some of the most famous Fortune 500 companies will never be profitable. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I mean. And and I'm so glad that one of the things that we do on the show that we're very serious about is tracking these things. We may be the only one shouting into the wind saying, hey, remember you said this, but someone said this. And I think, okay, if you were reading the headlines back in March – Right. Yeah. And your your 401k is already down significantly this year. It's already scary territory. And someone's talking about an absolute collapse of the stock market coming in the next couple of months. Yeah. Do I get out? Right. Yeah. Do I get out? And, 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 and look at it now. We're what, five months past that? And uh, absolutely not. And what have we been saying all along? You don't let your emotions determine determine massive shifts in your investment strategy. Yes. Just because you read a scary hairline, uh, headline doesn't mean you go to cash. I, yeah. I mean, if you go to cash and don't get back in during the rebound, you just you got hurt. You yeah. know, and, and that's one of my job descriptions is keep people from doing something stupid unintentionally. And that that falls into that that category of going to cash when you're the most fearful because we're, we're batting a 1,000 on rebounds. Let, let's talk about a couple that maybe they got a little bit right. Timing, I'll, I'll cut some people slack on timing as long as they got the overall gist correct. And here's one from a senior contributor to Forbes. He said short-term interest rates will move up from about zero at the beginning of the year to just under 2% by the end of 2022 and another 2.5 percentage points over the course of 23. Well, we're, we're basically at 4% yeah. instead of zero right now. You but, know? Okay, but you look at that. There's nothing scary no. about that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, And that's that's not clickbait. If you know the Fed is raising interest rates, that's not exactly a prediction. That's yes. cause and effect. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. right? Okay, well, you know that my background is TV, so I often say, you know, no one's ever wrong in TV. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Um, here's one from a, from a TV station from back in January. Experts agree inflation should hit its peak in February. Of 2022. Who are these experts? Yeah. How did that work out for all of us? Yeah. No. Although we, you know, we have seen peak inflation. We at have least seen. At this point, it is in the, seems hopefully to be seems in the rear to be down year, a bit. But not yeah. in February. And we I, didn't get there that fast. No, I wish we were there. <laughs> that would have, the stock market would have done a heck of a lot better. But, it would have been a different you know, story this right, year. Right. February, you know, August, September. What the heck? You know, off by a couple of months. How about Harry Dent? He said, well, isn't he one of the villains in Batman? Harry Dent? I don't know. Ah, it was Harvey. Anyway, uh, I digress, as I sometimes do. Stick um, with the program. He, he said there was going to be a stock market crash in early 2022. Now, a crash to me is like a depression, okay? No, a correction happens all the time. Every couple of years, you're going to have a correction. Every three or four years, on average, we had a heck of a correction that actually entered bear market. Crash, those are big words, and, and that's what I hate is hearing about crashes and, and, you know, these real fearful phrases yeah, that drive average investors to say, oh, this so-called expert saying it's going to go down more. I, I got to get out. And, and it hurts people. It hurts average people. You're focusing on the fact that the dude said that the stock market is going to crash. What you missed was the end of his comment, which is the economy is dead. He actually said the economy yeah. would die. I mean, talk about scary words there. The entire collapse of the U.S. economy, and that's what we've said so many times here on the show. No matter what your politics are, no matter what your beliefs are, the American economy has proven time and time and time again that it is bigger than all of yep. those things. Just pull up the list of the S&P 500, the 500 biggest companies that make up the American economy. You get to maybe that halfway through the A's, maybe to the B's, and you'll say, all right, I get it. 
These are big companies. They're not going anywhere. They've been around, many of them, for decades. You know, if you're Procter and Gamble's and GE's and Walmart's, if they all go under, we got a lot more problems than what the value of our 401k is. Yes. You know, I, then we'll talk about I, headlines. I, I like Ed Fink's uh, comment about, you know, these these fear and greed-based headlines. He says, if you feel that way, you should invest in lead and gold. Your lead is to protect your gold. <laughs> you know, yeah. and these people just talk and talk and talk about the end of the world. If we didn't see this happen in 2008, let, let me just explain something. 2008 was a legitimately fearful time where I wasn't sure, and most people in my business weren't, could not guarantee that we were going to pull out of what at the time was an almost total financial collapse. You couldn't say we're going to be okay. No, yeah. no, you couldn't with, with a clear conscience. And yet two years later, your stock uh, investments, bond investments were, actually bonds were up in 2008. That that's that catches a lot of people by surprise. But um, stocks were, were back, what, within about two years or so, we recovered. We're batting a thousand. So when you have just a, a, a bear market, a normal slowdown. Even though the Fed raising interest rates substantially for the first time in 40 years, yeah, it doesn't happen all the time. But you know what? We recovered last time the Fed raised interest rates. We'll do it again. So not a big concern. Don't bet the ranch on these types of predictions. Here's the all worth advice. Headlines and predictions, they're everywhere. Everyone seems to have them. They always will. Let history be your guide here. Coming up next, we're getting into the ABCs. Yes, the ABCs of the Roth IRA. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. If you can't listen to our show every single night, we'll subscribe and you can get our daily podcast. Listen the next morning on your way into work or at the gym. And of course, if you've got that friend who just, I don't know, keeps investing in crypto or making some really bad decisions, probably tell them about the show too. All you've got to do is search Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you turn to to get your podcast. Straight ahead at 643, which online banks should you trust when opening, trying to open maybe a high-yield savings account? We're asking the advisor. You know, I think a lot of people hear things about IRAs and Roth IRAs. There's a lot of different investment vehicles out there that we can use. But Truly understanding the basics of them, right? Why this would be beneficial to you in this circumstance for a lot of people it's just too much. It's kind of lost on you. Yeah, and and it's not that it's super complicated. It's just that, like in my family growing up, my parents, you know, they wouldn't have known. Well, I remember asking my dad, "What what is a stock?" And he had no clue. He yeah. had no reason to know what a stock is. Well, a lot of people they've heard the term Roth IRA, but there's no big discussion about pros and cons. And and if you don't know about it, you don't understand it. It's not because people are stupid by any stretch. It's well, also, it's not part of their everyday lives. Who names these things? Right, like the four hundred one k. Luckily, it's based on tax code, but like you wouldn't be like, like 401k. Oh, that's for retirement or 529. Oh, that's for college savings. So like points off for whoever's coming up with these names, because we could do much better on telling people what we're talking about. The guy who started this whole concept, his name was William Roth. So luckily his name wasn't, I don't know, Pete Wisniewski or Steve Sprovac. <laughs> or I mean, can you imagine people going around saying, yeah, I need IRA. to open up a Sprovac IRA. You know, it's like, I can't even spell that. Spro IRA. And it's my name. It's doable. Know? It's doable. Yeah. So IRA, individual retirement account, but the Roth portion of it, right, has a different kind of tax treatment. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what makes this so interesting for a lot of people. You're essentially, um, you're paying today's tax rate now. That money gets invested into that IRA and then it grows tax-free. When you need to take it out in retirement, 
you're not paying taxes on that money. Yeah, and and that's what it was originally set up for, was for an additional retirement account. And, and the government, when they passed this, they said, you know what, this is after-tax money. We're not giving these people a tax break. It's We've already taxed their money. So let's let them build up a separate account. And, and since it's after-tax money, yeah, we'll give them a break on, on the distribution. Okay, no tax due on the distribution. Yeah, there's some, there's some fine print. It's just, you know, 59 and a half and open to at least five years. But let's allow people to put some money into an after-tax IRA. I think if it were called an after-tax IRA, people would be a little bit more comfortable with it than just calling it a Roth. But that is a huge advantage, Amy, because, you know, if you've got money that's built up after-tax and you could take that money out tax-free in retirement, here's the way I usually see it play out. Okay, um, I need a new car. Uh, Well, all right, you can take it from your 401k money or your traditional IRA money, or you can take it from your Roth. Well, which one should I take it from? Well, the Roth is free. You can take that money out free. Otherwise, you're going to have to take out 40 or 50 grand from your traditional, and and you're going to pay tax on that as income. And yeah, maybe you're in a lower tax bracket in retirement, but you're still paying a lot of tax. So, you know, it is a huge tool if you have built up money in a Roth IRA over the years and maybe have fifty or a hundred thousand dollars sitting there in retirement. That's a contributory Roth IRA where you put your own money into it. Let's talk a little bit about Roth conversions now. All right. So this is um you've got your money into a tax deferred, right? A traditional IRA. Right. Uh, and then the closer you get to retirement, you're thinking, wait a second, I that money in a Roth IRA, the flexibility of that for tax reasons makes a lot of sense. So you convert it. Now, I would say the biggest thing to keep in mind as to whether or not a conversion makes sense is the fact that you're going to owe, it's it's a it's a taxable event, yeah. right? When you switch no that money. Yeah, it's not like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I liked this vanilla flavor, but now I decided I want chocolate. No, it doesn't. It doesn't go that easily. If you're, if you're moving money from a traditional account to, an, uh, to a Roth account, that becomes a taxable event. I always say if the money that you're moving, you have to pull part of that out to pay the taxes, mm-hmm. probably not the best move. You're losing money on that. But if you have outside money where you can pay the taxes at that time of the conversion, this can make a lot of sense. Well, let's say you you just retired. You're 62 years old, okay? So you go from, like in your case, making two dollars $300,000 yeah. a year, uh, okay, to making nothing. I mean, I mean maybe drawing Social Security. I think what you Security. meant was like 2 or $3 million. Is that what yeah, you meant? That's, yeah, I'm sorry. Where, where was lines? my mind yes, at? Of yeah, so, so you go from, and a lot of people can relate to this. They made good money during their career, and in retirement, what's their income? Social Security, maybe some dividends, uh, some interest, whatever, but, you know, totally different picture. Well, you know what? A Roth conversion might work for that kind of person because they're no longer in a 30, 35% tax bracket. They may only be in a 12% tax bracket in retirement. Okay, so you're going to take, let's just pull a number out of the air, 40 grand, okay, and move it from your traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. That's called a conversion. Well, that's $40,000 of taxable income, mm-hmm. but if you're only taxed at 12%, you're, you're voluntarily paying you know, five grand, $4,800 in, in tax. But now you've got that money in a Roth, leave it there five years, pull it out tax-free, let the kids inherit it after you're gone. Um, no taxes due on distributions, again, after five years post-conversion. So, you know, they, they've got some tools to use with Roth conversions being one of them in retirement that, that may work out. you got to run the numbers, run it by your tax advisor, but this is the time of year that you want to do it because if you're going to do it in 2022, it's got to be done by the end of the year. If you have kids or grandkids, right, just out of college, just starting into the workforce, think about it. They're probably yeah. at the lowest tax rate they'll ever be at. 
make sure they understand, right? These Roth IRAs, these can be great tools. And you also mentioned a great point. These are set up to be kind of supplementary retirement right. accounts, right? Your 401k is your main account. And then these IRAs. So there's a, there's a maximum amount that you can put in uh, this year. It's what, 6000 Next year, it bumps up to 6500 And then a Roth IRA has maximum income limits. Yeah. yeah just, you have to take Just because account. you want to put money in a Roth doesn't mean you can. There are, are limits on that. But there are, if it's a conversion, there are no limits on a conversion yes. for income. So And you can also do a backdoor Roth conversion, right? Something else that's an option. So lots of options here. I think the key is understanding the basics of what these things are and, and how they work. By your tax advisor. Absolutely. Here's the all worth advice. Consider a Roth IRA. If it's used correctly, the Roth IRA can be a great vehicle for your long-term retirement plan. Give yourself lots of flexibility there. Coming up, question, what's the best kind of financial advisor for you? There's all different flavors. We're going to explain what you need to know. We're tackling that next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac. You know, deciding whether or not you're going to hire a financial advisor, it can be stressful, can be tricky, and that's because there's so many different kinds. Unfortunately, there's a lot of confusion about all this, and to help us get some clarity is Allworth Advisor Steve Ruby. Steve, thanks for joining us. Good to have you here. Got a couple questions for you. Um, first off, before we dive into some of the areas I want to uh, pick your brain on, Give me a little idea of what's what's your background. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Steve. Really appreciate it. Uh, Background in the financial sector. I've been in the industry for about 10 years. Uh, Started with a big brokerage firm here in Cincinnati. Has a big presence. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Uh, I was with uh, an advisor uh, under a big bank for a few years after that and joined a competitor RIA about a year after that and have been with Allworth for six months now. Oh, okay. So so your background initially was with a firm that um, most people, I, I don't want to say the name, but a very large, well-respected um, uh, local uh, firm. And, and I, what kind of surprised me when we were talking off air is you kind of held two hats. You, you were... Um, on the one hand, you were trying to give good advice to people, but on the other hand, you were held to some accountability for goals. I, I mean, there there was sales involved, correct? One hundred percent financial yeah. sales, absolutely. Hey, yeah, and and that's the surprising part to a lot of people is you you know what you're you're expecting when you call an eight hundred number that okay I've got a question I want it answered. 
but the person on the other end of the line, more often than not, is thinking in the back of his mind, okay, I've, by the end of the day, I've got to produce some numbers, and we want some cross-selling. Give, give me a little of an example of what a day like that would entail and, and how you would bring up some of these products in the conversations. Oh, yeah, I had a very unique job. I, I was primarily working with active and 401K, uh, active and terminated plan participants with yeah. 401Ks. And at the end of the day, the job was to turn these relationships into retail relationships at the brokerage firm that it works okay for. so somebody leaves a company and, and they get a call from their 401k provider which in this case would be you and they think oh, okay this is nice um they know i left and and they're trying to help me out that's right yeah now i would like to think spending all those years in in you know a firm like that being there and getting five securities licenses becoming a certified financial planner i certainly did help a lot of people sure but at the end of the day my hands were tied in the types of conversations that i could have with my clients right it was very limited to, you know, what it would be to meet my goals. So it was almost like I was putting my clients to work for me rather than working for my clients. Okay. And that's different than a fiduciary relationship, which if you were a CFP at the time, that's, that's you know, part of the considerations of being a CFP is you are a fiduciary working in the best interests of, of that uh, particular person. So so from the caller standpoint, okay, I, I, call, I, I got a call from my 401k provider and this person wants me to roll over my money into an IRA. That, that occasionally happened, correct? It happened a lot. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the expectations yes. of, of the outcomes of your call as far as your, your supervisors were concerned. Mm-hmm, 100%. Okay. okay. So so fo- follow up on that. So where would that conversation generally go? So we were taught to be sales machines is the way that I'm going to put it. There's a, a sales okay. process that we learn. At the end of the day, the goal was to create a retail relationship with every single person that you talk to, but it started out under the skies of customer service. Right. So it was kind of a service to sales type of conversation where, you know, ultimately the goal was to get somebody to one of the uh, branches somewhere nationally where the, you know, financial consultants at those branches were going to sell annuities and mutual funds. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, let's move on from there. So then you go to work for a large bank. Tell me a little bit about the change in roles and, and what that entailed. So when it comes to working under the umbrella of a bank, in my experience, I was able to do a little bit more as far as financial planning was concerned. Gotcha. But this is an important difference, and it's understanding the fact that in this type of role, I was paid 100% commission. Okay. Which drives the behavior of the financial advisor. We're also forced to sell solutions that are very specific to that bank. Okay. Which is also frustrating when you're a certified financial planner. Give me an example. What do you mean by solutions? Solutions could be um, mortgages. Gotcha. Car loans, so cross credit cards, yeah, cross selling yeah. to create a sticky relationship for that, you know, client. But at the end of the day, the frustrating part as a certified financial planner is that I, I'm being forced to sell solutions from leadership that clients didn't always need. And we're not talking about going back to like the '70s. This is not that long ago where the representative at the bank was paid commission, no, no salary whatsoever. No salary whatsoever. So, so for you to make money, you had to sell something, mm-hmm. and and that had to be in my view, a little bit tough for a certified financial planner held to a fiduciary standard, yet you have to make money. Yeah. Yeah. So there were there were times, I'm sure, where you wrestled with, okay, I need to make money. Maybe this is in the best interest, maybe not. And the bank is always looking over your shoulders of what have you produced today? Leadership didn't always appreciate how I ended those conversations because yeah. I'm very open and direct and honest with yes. my clients. And I want to make yes. sure that I'm putting their interests ahead of mine. Yeah. Which oftentimes conflicts with what your employer expects of you as a financial advisor. Exactly. And that's that's where Steve's talking about having different types of advisors 
there can be good advisors at these firms, but their hands are tied by what their employer expects of them. Well, and I, I think the word that or the phrase that just popped into my mind is indexed annuities. I know banks are huge on selling indexed annuities. And I know one local bank that, that I, where I know a few people, I, that when I asked the person to explain this type of indexed annuity, and I, I know plenty about this product, they could not even come close to a rudimentary explanation of what they were selling clients. So, you know, the, the bank has, has an interest in mind. They, they want to keep that, that customer relationship, and they also want to produce profits. You are a profit center for that bank. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't think a lot of people realize when they walk in the door and they talk to you. They're expecting, oh, this guy's going to give me good advice. He's from my bank that I've been dealing with 30 years. And I'm not saying you didn't give good advice, but it might have been somewhat biased at times because of the pressure from management. Well, is thank that, you, that, Steve. I appreciate that. <laughs> is that fair to say, though? It is 100% there, there was, fair yeah, to say. There, yeah. Okay. So then you move to a true fiduciary relationship with Allworth. First of all, explain what a registered investment advisor is. So a registered investment advisor doesn't have to sell a particular product or solution. Oftentimes we're, you know, acting as fiduciaries across the entire financial relationship leading with financial planning. So it's not just looking at your investments, it's looking at your insurance, it's looking at your estate plan, it's looking at, you know, college savings, retirement planning, social security, all encompassing. Yeah. It's not just one area. So one of the benefits that, you know, I see of working for a place like like Allworth or a registered investment advisor is that, you know, we lead with financial planning when we're making recommendations, for example. Right. And and what I mean by that is, you know, there there's a lot of firms that just hand a client a questionnaire and say, here, answer these questions and this is going to tell us your risk tolerance and there's your investment strategy. Right. A little bit frustrating to me as a financial planner because I do have a responsibility to understand a client's entire financial situation when making recommendations. So leading with the plan gives us the opportunity not just to understand the risk tolerance, but also the need to take risk and the ability to take risk based on the financial situation. Well, and I, I think that's a great point because if you don't, if you're not as a client comfortable with risk, and a financial plan says, "Oh no, thirty um, percent stock floats your boat," and you know you've got enough money where you don't need to take on additional risk, that that's a powerful tool when you're sitting down with a client that um, you don't, if you don't have to put them in high risk solutions that they're uncomfortable with, why, why would you? And, and only a financial plan, I, in my view, can answer that question. That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, uh, an example I would like to talk about is coming from a brokerage firm or a bank, leadership would not let me have certain conversations with right. my clients that I felt like I had a responsibility to have. Yeah. For example, when it comes to the investment strategy for, for what would be considered non-billable assets, something not held in IRA or brokerage account. This right. would be an active 401k, a client's health savings account, a 529. The client or the, the, the company can't make money off of those assets. One, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I'm yeah. getting at, Steve. Yeah. The company cannot make money yeah. off those assets. But, but you know, at RIAs, we oftentimes have the ability and the expectation from our leadership to make recommendations for those other accounts. Right. And that's right. that's something that I spend a great deal of time with, with my clients because I want to make sure that they have a holistic, uniform investment strategy across the board. Steve Ruby from Allworth Financial, thanks for coming in today. Coming up next, what's the difference between growth and value stocks? It's just one question we'll ask the advisor. That's next. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. We are the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Straight ahead, how to save yourself some money on a car in 2023. 
You know, you've got questions about money. Everyone does. What's yours? You can email us at asksimplymoney at allworthfinancial.com. You can ask an advisor without even setting up an appointment or ever leaving your house. First question comes from Barb, who lives in Batesville. Can you explain the difference between growth and value stocks? Yes. We don't. We don't. We don't mess around. Oh, wait. That's a different show. No. <laughs> that's fa- don't that's go old Gary Burbank stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is something that I think everybody should have a, a real basic knowledge of. Um, I, I mean, it's tough, you know, even talking about stocks versus bonds, but it's a good idea to know types of stocks. And these are two distinct types. Growth stocks tend to be stocks that, okay, these are companies that are growing, as you would expect by the name. And the company's management with every dime in profits just keeps reinvesting, reinvesting. Let's grow the company. Research, We're more... development. Exactly. They're not giving it back to the shareholders yeah, in think, most cases. Think tech stocks, right? Facebook and Amazon. Well, those that... are two great examples. Yeah. Tesla, Apple, yes. even Walmart. It's considered a growth stock. So if you're looking for a dividend, you're probably not going to get it from a growth stock. If you're looking for a dividend, well, that's usually a value stock. And a value stock, are these tend to be older, more well-known, more mature companies. Well-established, yeah, been around I'm not going to say they're, they're done growing because they still grow, but they're taking a good chunk of their profits and paying it back out to investors as a dividend. And, and some examples would be banking stocks like Bank of America, Citigroup, uh, Ford, Motor company. I mean, these are considered value stocks. Um, Yeah, I I would say GE would. Yeah. yeah. So here's the important point as an investor, why you want to know the difference. I'll tell you, Amy, they move almost at mirror images of each other. When growth stocks are taking off, your value stocks usually aren't. They're usually stuck in the mud. And if you own nothing but value stocks, you're wondering, why is everybody else making some money? And then, boom, growth stocks take a nosedive and value stocks start to move up. And if you switched right before that from value to growth, well, guess what? You didn't make money on either of those swings. It's a good idea to have some money in each for diversification within the stock market allocation. And I think to your point about diversity, um, obvi- often the growth stocks are the sexier ones, right? They're the ones that you read about in the headlines. Oh, and they they're make talking money. about they tend Elon to make a Musk. Lot. Yes, yeah. exactly. I mean, they're the ones that everyone's talking about. So if you're someone who is interested in buying individual stocks, that's usually where your eyes are going to go first. Yeah. That's why we would say, hey, no, you have to understand how all of these works. And we would say, you know, a basket of stocks, an index, yep. where you've got pieces of all of these things, to your point, when one's up, likely the other sector might be down. When when one's down, the other sector's up. So uh, something to keep in mind when you're figuring out the best places to be invested. Uh, next question comes from John, who lives in Loveland. How do I know which online banks to trust if I want to open a high-yield savings account? Let's start with, though, why he would turn to online banks, right? Yeah. We started to see this even pre-pandemic, um, you know, there are no, you know, no bricks and mortar means that often these online banks have the ability to pay higher yield and savings accounts. And when we've been, come from a place that was point zero 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 one percent paying you off by keeping money into that savings account, well, what's the point? Well, a lot of people turn to, you know, Ally, lots of these different online banks as ways to say, oh, well, there's a half a percent yeah. or a Ally, percent. American yeah. Express, yes. Goldman Sachs. Lots yeah. of options. Um, but I think for a lot of people that I think about my dad, like this is kind of a newfangled kind of a thing, right? I can't walk into the bank. It's online. Mm-hmm. So how do I know if I can trust them? Well, most of these have the same insurance that you would get from walking into Fifth Third or U.S. Bank. That's the number one concern. Make yep. sure they have FDIC insurance. Yep. Most of them do, but not 100 percent of them. So if you've got FDIC insurance, OK, you're protected against loss. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of a, and these are generally called money markets. And some people think, well, money market, that sounds like an investment. Money market really means high yield savings account. I, I, here's the reason I think these should at least be looked into. In, in Cincinnati, there are a few very large, very well-known banks that are still, even with all the interest rate increases, paying 0.01%. I mean, that's one one-hundredth of 1%. That's ridiculous yeah. be, because some of these online banks for the exact same protections and insurance are paying 25 to 3% with the same full liquidity of you can get your money out anytime you want. It's not yeah. locked up. So, you know, that's why people are looking at these. And I'll tell you what, if these local banks keep staying low uh, at at 0.01%, I hope people do start looking at alternatives because they're not going to learn if people don't don't start looking at alternative, higher-paying, similar types of investments. You're never going to lose out by doing your research and no. shopping around. It, no. it, just, it, it, it will always pay off. Next question, and this one is just in from Jim in Middletown. He's listening tonight. Just heard your segment about Roth IRAs. Can you explain the difference between a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k? My company offers one of those. Yeah, and and more and more companies are offering Roth 401ks. And I which love is that good they are. Th- yeah, yes. exactly. It's just one more investment choice. In a regular Roth IRA, you're contributing. They're called contributory Roth IRAs. You're taking after-tax money and contributing into a Roth IRA. Guess what, Amy? There's an income limitation. It's pretty high, but not everybody can do it. In a Roth 401k, there is none. You can, yeah. If you're employed by that difference. company, you can put money into the, the Roth 401k. It's a huge difference. And I think people don't yeah. understand, right? Because there's there's little differences between each of these investment vehicles. And I know a couple of years ago, a friend of mine who's worked really, really hard and done really, really well, I was saying to her something about, well, don't you have a Roth 401k option? She was like, well, I, I think I probably make too much money. And I was like, no, actually, that, yeah. does, that doesn't apply here exactly. with, the, with the Roth 401k. I mean, for anyone in your 20s or 30s, just out of college, you know, you're not probably in your highest earning years yet. You'll probably be in a higher tax bracket later on. I love the Roth 401k as an option. And I also think when you get to retirement years and you're looking at however much, you know, most for most people, that 401k is the number one source of income in retirement. As you look at that and say, oh, I've got a million dollars in this 401k. Well, not if it's not a Roth. So keep that in mind. Coming up next, What to know before you buy a car if you're looking at that for 2023. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprogak. If 2023 is the year for you where you're just going to buy that new car, bite the bullet, uh, here's some things we would say you need to keep in mind. First of all, the annual percentage rate right now, a financed new car purchase, 6.3% in yeah. October of Rem- this year. That's a big jump from 4.2% a year ago. Remember those old 0% financing <laughs> deals? You know, the Long good, gone. The good news is, hey, there are cars on lots again. I needed a new car. I've got a Fred Flintstone. You know what a Fred Flintstone mobile is? I do. Yes. <laughs> I've had I've had those where, yeah, you <laughs> actually see the road going underneath your feet as you're driving. Um, but the, the good news is cars are on the lots. The bad news is if you got to take out a loan like most people do, you're talking, I mean, 6.3%. That's just average. So here's what the dealerships are doing. Now they've got cars. They're not in a huge hurry to sell them unless they can make some really nice profit margins on them. And there are lots of different tricks and techniques to get you to pay more. 
dealer markups, right? Yeah. And, and this is not necessarily anything new, but I think just the pressure is on that much more right now. But it's like when you're sitting down with a person, they're like, well, you know this car needs triple triple paint protection for the next 75 years. And, and you know, and we've and got, we only, we can give it to you. And, and it's the low, low price of $2,000. And you might've paid 40 or 50 grand for that car. And it's like, yeah, I want to make it look good. I want to yeah. make it last. Right. So you, you think oh, about these yes, things. Yes, you need Teflon carpet protector for the back. <laughs> you know, they make up, it's like, wait, that's even a thing. You used to sell these, didn't you? <laughs> I've sat through these pitches yeah. many times. And, you know, they try to add on and add on and cha-ching, cha-ching. That's all their thing. My, my favorite, and, and, and of course, you know, they've got their job. You've got yours. You can always walk away. But, uh, you know, when you get to the, uh, well, let's talk about a supplemental warranty on this car. I love Ed Fink's line. If they're trying to sell you a $1,200, or let's say a $1,500 extended warranty, Ed Fink would turn right around and say, wait a second, you're telling me I'm going to spend more than $1,500 in maintenance on this car and repairs? And the, guy, mm-hmm. the guy's going to back off. He's going to say, no, I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. You're telling me it's you a better me deal. Yeah. It's a better deal to pay $1,500 for this warranty than what I'm going to pay out of pocket. I'm not even sure I want to own this car anymore. You want to see the salesman do a quick turnaround. That'll That'll do it. Very few people can buy cars without financing it. But if you're getting a lot of pressure to finance that car, I was just hearing a story from a friend today. They said, you can't buy this car without financing it. They wanted to pay outright. You know, walk away from situations like that. Know the cost to run the car. Um, what you know you can expect to pay over the, the course of a year and, and maintenance and things like that. And then always we're talking about shopping around, compare car insurance. All of those things yep. important, especially if you're going to pay more for a car, which you likely will right now. Thanks for listening tonight. We hope you'll tune in tomorrow. We're talking about simple ways to reduce college costs. Parents, you got to hear this. You've been listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial on 55KRC, the talk station. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.